It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> we are four years too late for the discourse. We're trying really hard to get bullied on the internet. tell you something. Alright. Bustin makes me feel good. <laughs> Shannon, I told you, you gotta keep it under control. <laughs> it Just because it makes you feel good, it gives you, like, instant satisfaction. Does not mean that it's a healthy, long-term, <laughs> sustainable hobby. But really, I think that the the sheer euphoria of, of Bustin <laughs> Yeah. It really gets me through the day during quarantine, you know? Just going up into the attic and doing some busting. The thing is, though, there's only a limited amount of ghosts. And I know it seems like on a global scale that that wouldn't be true. Because there's always a new added supply of ghosts. Yeah. But in one physical location, if indeed ghosts do stick to a physical location... Mm Mm-hmm. How many ghosts really are in this building? Like, this was made in, like, the late 1700s, early 1800s. And it was stables. It was stables. So we got a lot of horse ghosts. How many more horse ghosts can you bust? I feel like at at least a couple dozen more, given the hundreds of years of horse ghosts. Well, how about, first of all, how long does a horse live? This is an excellent question. Let's say 20 years. Okay. I have a feeling it might be more than that. <laughs> but we're talking about the olden times when everything was the worst. <laughs> and not great like it is now in 2020 when everything's wonderful. <laughs> There's no problems in 2020. That's what, that's what they'll say looking back. <laughs> I say you have a max of like 50, and I'm being generous, a max of 50 horse ghosts in this household to bust. <laughs> No, I'm limiting myself to busting once a week. Okay. And then we can start to bust the ghosts in our neighbor's house. Oh, okay, so we're not waiting for more ghosts to appear in here. No. Because that would be a very long game. We're going out looking. I I was just going to say, we live so close to a graveyard, and you're not even busting there. Well, I want to bust, but socially distanced. Oh, the other fair. Ghostbusters in Edinburgh. Of which there are so many. They're... You can't move for Ghostbusters in this city. It's a ghost town. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Hello, listeners. How have you been? It's the end of our spook month. <laughs> this is probably going to be released in November. <laughs> spooky times. November is still residually spooky. Yeah, but it's getting a little jolly. It is. It's getting it's... a little jolly. But, you know, there's Christmas ghost stories, there's winter ghost stories. Yes. I feel like A Christmas Carol would be a lot different if it had a Ghostbuster in it. You ever realized in Christmas Carol how none of the ghosts are called Carol? (laughs) You're blowing this thing wide open. I know. Do you reckon he meant to write someone called Carol in it but forgot? Changed it in editing and forgot to change the title, and by then it had already gone to printer. I, it, it's, it makes sense to me that he'd chosen names for the ghost but hadn't, like, the edit, the, in the editing process he hadn't put them in. Yeah. That's why he was, like, calling them the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. He was meant to be calling them Carol, Mark, and... Leanne. Leanne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that order. Yeah. Um, and his favourite one, Carol, is what the show, what the 
the show. The Muppet show. <laughs> what the seminal Muppets film is about. Yeah. And it's prequel, the novel by Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> the Muppets Christmas Carol is so good that it just blasted back into the past and inspired Charles Dickens to write a Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> it ripped through the space-time continuum. Yeah. And none of the characters in the Muppets version were called Carol either, and I think that's a shame. It is an oversight. It is, because you're watching it the whole time being like, when's Carol going to appear? You know when you're writing hand handwriting and not on a computer, you've got to... You'd have to go back and cross stuff out, and then it's a, an absolute nightmare in typesetting. Yeah. This is this is a big issue of 19th century print culture, is you can't fix typos. <laughs> and He just accidentally wrote The Ghost of Christmas Past <laughs> instead of the word Carol. Well, he didn't realize times. that Find Replace hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> he didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. Because he thought if he wrote The Ghost of Christmas Present the entire time... That he could just find replace Mark. Yep. <laughs> and if he wrote The Ghost of Christmas Past, he could find replace Carol. And then he got to the typesetters and they were like, Charles, it's the past. <laughs> you can't find replace. You get what you get. <laughs> the past is a Carol. It makes sense. Yeah. It does to me. I thought saying that would make more sense to you, but I, I realised I'd got on one of those thought journeys um, <laughs> that didn't make any sense to anyone else. And because this is a communicative medium, I should probably explain. It's because I was thinking about my old fish, Carol. Right. Which is relevant, because we've got some new fish, which I'll talk about in a minute, I yeah, guess. we should talk about our fish. And as you know, but the listeners do not know, I when I was a kid, I had this, this, this goldfish tank in my bedroom... And uh, I had three fish named after secretaries after <laughs> my dad's work. Goldfish called Carol, Susan, and Jennifer. And Carol cannibalized the other two and didn't die for eight years. And I had to look after and care for this fish that had cannibalized my other fish, which I preferred. Jennifer was my favorite. The past is a Carol. I see, I see. And the future, one might say, is Nandor. Yes. Or the present. Or the present. And the future. And the future. Our fish... Uh, we've started a small tropical fish tank in the corner of this room in which we record. <laughs> um, so you could say our podcast has three new guests. Yep. And their names are Nandor the Relentless, uh, Laszlo, and Nadja. We would like what we do in the shadows to give us money for this podcast. Yeah, we're we're here to advertise for the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Yeah. It's a true friend of the podcast and hopefully our sponsor. Please, we beg of you. <laughs> so, yeah, we've gotten two Cory catfish, and that's Laszlo and Nadja, and they're albino, so they're bright white and very energetic. Between them, they have one brain cell. Sometimes. It, and it, it only lives in Nadja. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, Nandor is a rainbow shark. That's right, folks. We have a shark tank. <laughs> this is a danger tank with some danger boys. We are trying to, in several years when our shark grows large, kill James Bond. <laughs> we have beef with him. <laughs> 
were planning his death. Right now, he's, what, like, four centimeters long, so he would just really slowly nibble James Bond to death. Like those, like, foot-nibbling fish. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> Starvation would get James Bond first. I think as Bond villains, we can't have a swift end to James Bond. That's... That doesn't go with the union requirements of being a Bond villain. <laughs> we have to give him ample opportunity to escape. That's right, Mr. Bond. Your feet are going to be sparkly clean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I sounded like War- Wario or Waluigi. <laughs> I think Waluigi. <laughs> Who also wants to kill James Bond. Yeah. So in our, in our little fish tank, we have a raptor skull. We have a, a nice rock. And we have a little arch. The arch. We bought for like three pounds on Amazon. <laughs> and it's meant to say Jurassic Park. <laughs> it says Jurassic Park. <laughs> it has not managed to get all the correct letters for Jurassic Park. Either for it's just a mistake or it's to avoid copyright claims, and I can't really tell. But it makes me love it all the more. It's better this way. I think it captures the Castle Blurst vibe. It does. So I'd like to dedicate this episode to our guest hosts, our three tropical fish. <laughs> One of whom might be pregnant. That's Laszlo. Yes, he might be pregnant. We're just a little bit concerned that they sold us a breeding pair of Cory catfish, because one of them is now slightly bigger than the other. Mm. And Nandor, the shark, is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also Time's think- gonna tell. I think he's a teenager. He's only a juvenile. Yeah. He's in that sort of bullshy stage. He thinks he knows everything. Trying to defend his skull. Yeah, exactly. At least he doesn't live behind a filter anymore. Yeah, that's true. He's just going through the motions. He's gonna be unprofessional soon. Like us. Like us. Struggling to make a nine-to-five. is gonna have to get a job and pay rent soon. He's gonna have to start a podcast, and he's <laughs> gonna have to rely on the goodwill he's fostered with the other two fish yeah. to um, to get some guest guest hosts. That's true, and he's not gonna ever get there if he keeps snapping at Laszlo. He's an angry boy. And in his defense, Laszlo is a very stupid fish. He's a stupid boy. <laughs> Speaking of angry and stupid boys... We watched Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. We are four years too late for the discourse. But as we're per tr- usual. We're trying really hard to get bullied on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we not only watched the original Ghostbusters, uh, 1984, but we also watched the 2016 Ghostbusters. That's right, we watched Man Busters and Lady Busters. And oh boy, did we have a time. We, I wanted to have a good time, and I, I had partly a good time. (laughs) I had exactly one film's worth of a good time. (laughs) Uh, spoiler alert as to which one that was. Listeners, I want to take you back to the year 2016. Imagine a time. People were walking around, breathing in each other's faces. It was like, imagine that I'm right next to you right now. <sighs> That's my breath going into your nose. You might get sick. Doesn't matter to you. Doesn't matter. Sneezing on the subway. Yeah. Sneezing into people's hair. Just gross things that were considered the norm. Making out was a thing. Nightclubs existed. Oh, my nightclubs. Yeah, sharing a bag of crisps with someone and your hands going in 
a bag someone else's hand has gone in, which is kind of gross now. Yeah. Too many things are gross now. <laughs> but it felt so good in 2016. So it was a different time. And it, imagine you're on uh, that old, old faithful YouTube. <laughs> and a trailer has just been dropped for a film. And you click that trailer. And the music is great. And the visuals are great. The and cast is Stella. Who's starring in it? The funniest women working in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Maybe. Some of them. Um, a good sample of A them. good sample of the funniest women in Hollywood. And you think, God, this is awful. <laughs> well, this is the worst day ever to see a trailer for this excellent film. Women? <laughs> women doing jokes? Hey, hey, is 2016, uh... Um, the character I like to call Mark. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Nothing gives me more joy than my childhood favourite movie, Man Ghostbusters, which is full of all the best jokes in the world, including jokes I can't name off the top of my head. They were just, they were good. Just trust me on that. And, uh, and action and everyone was like, like sexy and suave and cool. And, um, and, and no women busted ghosts. And, and now, and now, in the year of our Lord, 2016, some women are trying to steal my childhood by making a superior movie. <laughs> I am going to cry. And then they, he cries more like two years later when Judy Whittaker gets cast as Doctor Who. <laughs> Mark. It's been a hard couple of years for Mark. <laughs> and he, he put a dislike on the Ghostbusters movie and was bolstered by the idea that over two-thirds of the people who watched that trailer disliked it. Oh. Because the internet was a mistake. Yep. And I remember acquaintances of mine at the time being like, oh, well, it was such a classic movie, I don't know why they need to reboot the Ghostbusters. I remember watching Ladybusters in the cinema at the time because I love um, my dear friend Kristen Wiig. She's not my friend. I wish she was. Kristen Wiig, are you listening? Kristen, thanks for tuning in. Kristen, I'm so glad you chose to take a minute of your day to listen to our podcast. To listen for our, to our pitch for you playing the Grinch. We think you should play the Grinch. Please listen to our Grinch episode. Um, we're really excited for your upcoming starring role as the villain in Wonder Woman 2. I, you're a cat. That's really exciting to me. We're hyped to see you play a jellical cat. Listen to our cats episode. It's one of our most listened. Kristen, this episode is for you, because we love you. And I watched this movie, and I'm like, this is a great time, fun hand time had by all. I, I saw it in the theaters lots. as well, and I had never felt so personally fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, on the back of all the discourse, I'm, I was like, well, okay, maybe the original Ghostbusters was very good and very fun, and people don't like their childhood their childhoods to be trampled upon. So we thought we would watch Man Ghostbusters at honestly genuinely going with an open mind. I thought that I might have seen this movie and after having watched it, I'm not convinced that I, I did actually see it as a child. I think I saw sort of snippets of it on television and maybe I've seen the second one. But I went in wanting to love it because the concept of Ghostbusters is excellent to me. It is my ideal career. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would love to be able to hand out a business card that just says Ghostbuster on it. If anyone can do it, it's you. Well, thank you. Did you hear that, men on the internet? I'm gonna be a Ghostbuster. You already are. You've been busting horse ghosts 24-7. Well, I'm trying to make the leap to human ghosts. (laughs) And it is a little more difficult, I won't lie. If you could bust any human ghost. Yeah. Who? Ghost of Hemingway. Do you answer that so quickly? (laughs) Oh my god. Like, I'd need to have a think and you're like, Hemingway. (laughs) Why? Hemingway and I have historic beef. Personal personal beef. Personal historic beef. Alright, go off. I'd be threatening multiple times during classes in my undergrad that I would fight Hemingway. Okay, I see your point. And... He's waiting for me in the afterlife because I did promise him a cage match. So and I feel like I should listening. I should bust his ghost and really get out ahead of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine being covered in Hemingway ectoplasm. You. Oh, we know it would be very brief. <laughs> oh, brief and precise ectoplasm from Hemingway. <laughs> Sorry, that was a niche literature joke. Sounded like a sexy joke. Because <laughs> I don't... I've never read Hemingway's stuff. <laughs> so you can see how I interpreted yeah, it differently. Yeah, I can see how you interpreted that. But I really just meant it as a slight against his writing style. Right. Elise, if you were to bust a ghost, what ghost would you bust? Oh, God. I don't think I've got any personal historic beef. And I feel like if there are ghosts to be busted, people have already gone for the big daddies. Like, uh, like Hitler. Mm -hmm. People have been for, like, Churchill. Yeah. Has anyone pissed me off enough that I would want to bust their ghost? Maybe I'd have to wait. Play the waiting game. Yeah. You know? I feel like in Edinburgh we could really get some mileage out of busting the ghost of David Hume. I feel like we could get some slightly more niche figures, but still important historical figures. Yeah. Yeah. We could we could really get some enjoyment out of busting the ghost of Adam Smith. <laughs> yes, we could. <laughs> I feel like it'd be fun to bust the ghost of people who've made food stuff this stuffs that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I don't like is not so much like recipes, it's more ingredients. Like, I can't find the person who invented celery and bust them. <laughs> that was the planet. I don't want to bust the planet. Can you imagine? It's true. Um, but maybe the person who made celery hit the big time. Like, someone must have been the first person to eat celery. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call her Celery Susan. <laughs> she sees this mysterious plant mm-hmm. that looks like it looks kind of inedible. Like, I wouldn't see, see, I wouldn't find, like, a firm grass-looking thing and be like, I will eat this. Mm-hmm. I hope she was desperate to find the, this food. Yeah. I hope it wasn't just like, oh, ha ha ha, let's put this in my yieldy salad. S- celery, Susan. Yeah. Um, she, she was like, this is nice to me. I'm going to chop it up and put it in things unnecessarily, like vegetable stock and... Salads that are otherwise fine, and 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 serve them to people, and not tell them the celery inside of it. It was all celery season's plan. But I don't know where to find celery, Susan. I don't know where celery got big first. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the sort of like the fertile crescent, like mm-hmm. of, of of yesteryear, mm-hmm. where agriculture like made it big. I don't know where where celery native to. I don't know. I don't know. 
These are the big questions. Well, I would do a lot of research to find out where Celery Susan is from. Mm-hmm. Find her ghost. Bust it. Because know busting makes you feel good. Busting makes me feel good. Busting celery makes me feel good. And I know it's not going to bust celery, but it's going to give me some personal satisfaction. That's fair. So, what is a ghostbuster? For anyone listening who doesn't know what that is and has made it 22 minutes after the podcast. <laughs> um, a ghostbuster is someone who makes it their profession to find and capture ghosts, a.k.a. bust them. Yes. You're... Busting a ghost is capturing the ghost in a fancy tech thermos with some flashy lights glued onto it. Yes. And if you're a man ghostbuster putting it into some form of garbage chute, if you're not a man ghostbuster, uh, you're throwing it back to the other side. Back through the void. Through the the veil. Into dead world. Yeah. Because if ghosts are here... (laughs) They've come through the cracks of Dead World. Yeah. The Cracks of Dead World is the name of the unaired sequel to Lady Ghostbuster. <laughs> and basically you get to wear a jumpsuit and a cool rocket pack and water gun and just generally have a really chill time. Yeah. This was a concept invented for the first movie, Man Busters. It wasn't called that at the time, of course. We um, now look upon it and say Man Busters. Yeah. Man Ghostbusters of the 80s. And props to them for the concept, props to the theme song. This is another instance like Never Ending Story, where the song, I think, transcends the movie. Yeah. The Ghostbusters theme song, pause this podcast, go listen to it now. It's bop. You won't regret it. Yeah. Even if you've heard it, go listen to it right now. It sounds fresh every time. Funky fresh. To yeah. Yours. Absolutely. And it's not just for Halloween. It's for any time. It's for Christmas Day. The movie came out in July. Yeah. Any time of year. It's for your birthday. It's for your funeral. <laughs> if you're a ghostbuster. Yeah. It's um, for anyone who works in the celery factory. Because I will come for them. And I think that the... I'm going to say nice things about Man Busters first, because I want to be... I want to say some nice things. Should I time you? <laughs> I'm not going to make it very long. <laughs> the theme song is amazing, no notes. Um, they have a very cool car. It's a hearse painted white and red. Um... They're the, the proton packs that they use to bust ghosts. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, who's like a big haunted carnival balloon. Yeah, a ghost turns into him. Big, big fun. I've run out of things I like about Man Busters. Man Busters, do, can I think of any things that you haven't said? Uh... No. I guess Sigourney Weaver gives a good performance. She's got some good eye makeup on when that ghost possesses her. Yep. I do enjoy the villain's attitude. Yeah. I like Zool. Yeah. So shoot me. I was rooting for Zool for the whole first <laughs> Ghostbusters film. Um, I guess we should maybe clarify. Why do we hate Man Busters? 
okay, the plot of Manbusters, we cut, we're not going to go through the whole thing beat for beat because it's, it's, there's not much. Yeah. But the film opens with Bill Murray as a professor of spookology in Spooksville, <laughs> Spook York. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's at Columbia. Yeah, I think so. And he is doing some sort of psychology experiment uh, with two, I, I think, grad student, post-grad interns. Yeah. Uh, one of whom is a dude and one of whom is uh, a, a woman who he's flirting with. And he's uh, deliberately buzzing the guy, even though he's giving correct answers to the guessing quest- the guessing questions he's giving them. And he keeps on flirting with and touching inappropriately the female grad student. Yeah. This is the opening scene. It's the first scene of the whole movie, and it just keeps going from there. And you think, okay, well, I feel like maybe institutional or any kind of sexual harassment is irredeemable in a character anyway. But maybe this movie is going for the angle that he's a skis and he needs to stop being a skis in order to be liked or find fulfillment. No, there's like zero character development. (laughs) That's like, I think they see it as a plus point in his character. The movie is like, this makes him very cool and fun that he's hitting on a female grad student who has to be nice to him. Because of institutional power. Yeah. And that makes him a very cool guy. The movie is convinced of this. If you're listening to this and thinking, oh, you women are being absolute curmudgeons about this classic movie, stop nitpicking. Shut up, Mark. (laughs) We're fun. We do fun things. Shannon busts ghosts every day. I bust ghosts every day of my life, and I don't sexually harass grad students. It's very easy not to do that. It's super easy to wake up in the morning and not sexually harass a grad student. Who else have we got in the team? We've got the dorky one who doesn't... The characters all have names, but they also don't. Yeah, their names... The only way you could possibly know their names is if you read the names on the jumpsuits. The characters get almost no development whatsoever. Absolutely. And he's, I think, a grad student. I'm not clear on that. Or some sort of junior professional at the university. There's a tall, nerdy one who's also in the team. Mm -hmm. They get kicked out of the university because they're not being a successful lab, because... Fair enough. Yeah. They've been told they're poor at science communication, they're not doing any publications, and they sexually harass people. Get the fuckers out. Yeah. And then there's the other Ghostbuster who applies later and doesn't have any personality. He just applies and they're like, yeah, we need a fourth one. And in his defense, none of them have a personality except the one whose personality is sexual harassment, (laughs) who I think is the main one. Um, So they set up their ghostbusting team. They don't explain to us, the audience, what ghostbusting entails. They just have these these vacuum packs that we know that um, there's nuclear technology that could potentially explode New York. None of them seem concerned. We just know that they've suddenly gotten very successful as ghostbusters. It happens so fast. Like, they they get kicked out of the university, and then that day you go to a library that's had a curious incident, see a full-bodied apparition of a ghost, have no emotional feelings about it whatsoever. This is after quizzing the lady who's initially seen the ghost by asking her questions like, are you menopausal? Yep. 
And then when people say, how is that your business saying, I'm a scientist. And then they bust the ghost with technology that presumably they've invented at some point, but we have no clue why. Yeah, none of them seem excited or impressed by it. And then they immediately become famous and bunch of, bust a bunch of other ghosts. And then Sigourney Weaver calls them because she has a ghost in her refrigerator that is called Zool. Her character is called Dana, and I remember that. Uh-huh. I'm, supposed, I'm so surprised I remember that. It's because Sigourney Weaver is the only person I care about in this movie. <laughs> and she tries to get Bill Murray to exercise the ghost from her refrigerator, and he does not think there's a ghost in her house, but he does want to date her. Mm-hmm. That is very clear. I often open my fridge and see things that deeply disturb me. <laughs> it happens once or twice a week. It's because of all the celery in there. Yeah, just the bunches of it that I keep laying around. I wish I'd see a demon. (laughs) That's eating all our celery. Honestly, if a demon came in the house and wanted to eat celery, I'd let let it. we just let him suck on all the vegetable stock cubes. Yeah, he can feed our fish. So then they have to save New York from Zool. If I'm making this movie sound like there's no character development and it's very flat, that's because that's how it is. They don't feel anything at any point. They're not upset about being kicked out of the university and unemployed. They're not excited to see proof of a ghost, which they say is the first time they've seen a a full-bodied apparition, for those not familiar with the lingo, (laughs) is where you see a ghost that you can clearly delineate looks like a person. It's not just like a vague mist. Yeah. It's like a full-on person, but translucent. All green blob. Yeah, well, no, that's not a full-bodied apparition. That's a poltergeist. Oh, yeah. Okay. More um, me. This is why you're the Ghostbuster in this house. This is why I'm the Ghostbuster. So, this is the gold standard of ghost hunting, and they see one, and none of them have a facial expression about <laughs> Genuinely, it. Genuinely, they don't. And by the way, if you think, oh, they're just dunking on it because they're women. L- listen, we went in this wanting a good time. We went into this wanting, like, the best time in the world. Yeah, we ordered burgers. We were hyped. We were sitting here with beer and food. Our and fish were hyped. Our fish were hyped. And we were like, yes, let's watch two excellent movies back to back. And oh boy, were we disappointed in Man Busters. They legitimately have no reactions. The the climax, Zool has now possessed Dana and her um, neighbour, Lewis. Played by Rick Moranis, Canadian treasure. <laughs> and turns them into evil sphinxes. And they're on the top of the skyscraper and Zool's this, like, evil goddess who's, like, massively powerful. Mm-hmm. First of all, they're not that scared. They're like, Oh no, we'll have to bust you. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Is Dana a sphinx now? Oh, I was meant to go on a date with her. And now she's a sphinx. And second of all, they keep on being like, Ah, oh, look at this stupid evil goddess chick. This broad, this absolute, like, evil, all-powerful minx. <laughs> I just, like... You've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth coming back to. This movie is starring mostly comedians. Is there a joke in this movie? Speaking as a comedian, I I should be able to identify them. No. No. Not even one. (laughs) I didn't see a single joke. I didn't hear of one. 
I didn't feel the ghost of a joke pass through me. <laughs> all the ghost jokes got busted. They all got busted at the beginning because there isn't a single joke in this film. <laughs> and it's not just like this is a slightly dated joke that I no longer find funny. It's like I genuinely couldn't identify if things were meant to be jokes. Maybe the Marshmallow Man. The Zool says that she will disappear and turn into... No, am I thinking of the second and movie? And we'll, we'll turn into whatever they're thinking of, and Dan Aykroyd's character is thinking of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and that's, that's what Zool turns into. That's a joke. And sure, I like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. He looks cool. He has rights. He's valid. Um... <laughs> But that's right at the end of the movie. And at this point, I've gone through the whole movie thinking, I thought this was meant to be funny. I'm confused. You were craving the days of when we watched the B movie. I really was. Oh, no, were you? Um, I Because the B movie, at least I knew would be bad when I started it. This movie, I wanted so badly to enjoy. Yeah. That I felt personally attacked and offended. This is one of two movies that are out there, to my knowledge, that has an antagonist who is an environmental protection agency manager. There's yeah. this and The Simpsons movie. In mm. The Simpsons movie, they do it better. As I told you, the EPA put a dome over the city. Yeah. Because it's so polluted. Um, in this one, the, the EPA guy is trying to get the Ghostbusters to stop randomly jettisoning um, radioactive paranormal shit into the watershed, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, you square! There's this like, completely unregulated and unapproved like, nuclear reactor in the basement of this like building that they're in, and the EPA guy has the goal to object to this because it might explode New York. Like... <laughs> The absolute fucking hippie. Like, that's the vibe of how they talk to the EPA guy. And this is a plot line that goes on for, like, half an hour. They take the issue to the mayor of New York and have, like, political chit-chat about how the EPA guy sucks. I feel like that's the part of the movie where my soul just died. It's like, I would like... Okay, we get 20... I checked the timestamp. It's 22 minutes into the movie before we really get to see some proper ghosts. We see one ghost in the first 20 minutes, and it's the one at the library. But we see six separate incidents of sexual harassment. Not just one scene and six different things in it. Like, six separate people. Yeah. I was keeping a tally because I needed to keep myself awake somehow. <laughs> Listeners, just so you have context for this, you know how some people are like, I'm not me till I've had my morning coffee. Shannon's like, I'm not me till I've had my morning ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love to bust a ghost. One ghost before breakfast, it's a really good way to start the day. And this movie has me incensed. <laughs> Also, this movie had me incensed in an equally doofy way, because long-time listeners of the podcast know that I'm a, an original soundtrack square, mm. so I'm always listening out for little tidbits that I can identify as some sort of Newman or other. That's true, you are. Uh, but th- this is a silent movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they have the Ghostbuster song. Sometimes. Like, two times. 
And the other times, it's silent. They could be like building up to some like crazy climax as a ghost and it's gonna kill one of them. Dead silent. We hear shuffling in the background. (laughs) (laughs) This movie came out the same year as Beetlejuice. They knew what soundtracks were. (laughs) It came out after all three Star Wars. I, today, for fun, went through a list of the oldest known songs in history. Thousands of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And I can very, 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 very confidently say that music had been invented by the (laughs) 1980s. Yeah. So many, at least eight songs had been invented before then. Enough songs to put in the background of a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Like, that's one advantage that uh, that Ladybusters has. We know we know more about music now since the 80s has come and gone. Yeah, so now we can have music in the background of tense scenes to build tension, like a <laughs> film. <laughs> it just felt like everyday regular life everyday. where there's no music playing. And you're wearing a stupid jumpsuit and you're in a hotel catching a gross green ghost that's eating all the catering. Imagine if you're... On your first ever ghost busting mission, you've dedicated your life to busting... To find, first of all, finding the existence of ghosts. You don't know for sure if they exist. And uh, you've been called in for your first professional ghost bust. Mm-hmm. You've got your gear, you've got your big nuclear backpack, and you finally see a ghost and it splats ectoplasm all over you and you're covered in goo. You're going to do a facial react, aren't you? Your face is going to do something, right? Right. Not if you're a manly man <laughs> with masculinity. <laughs> no. Oh, that's I... illegal. <laughs> it's cool not to react to things. Can we can we talk about Lady Busters? Yes, please. Now, when Lady Busters was first announced, people were like, "You're ruining my childhood." And initially, I was like, That's silly. A new movie doesn't supplant an old movie, especially not one like Ghostbusters that has high franchising potential because, you know, there's always ghosts to bust. (laughs) But then I watched Lady Busters and I thought, yeah, you're right. It does supplant your childhood because it's obviously superior in every way. It's doing them a favor. It's giving them a new childhood. It's like, look at this. This is what it could have been. This is what we could have had. (laughs) And we could have had six of these movies if people weren't such shitheads online. Uh, This was happening at the same time that there's always drama online about where, like, some shithead out-of-touch male comedian or, like, male comedy commentator, Mm. such as Hitchens, Mm -hmm. says in some American magazine women aren't funny this was a particular one he wrote he was like women aren't funny the only funny women are women who are not attractive or lesbians depending on their attractiveness because men have developed humor as a genetic sorry I can't make it through the sentence evolutionary like they've developed the humor as a skill because they're not attractive so they need to because they need (laughs) they need to tell jokes to get the women oh of course so 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 my third eye is wide open (laughs) so attractive women such as tina fey going around pretending to be funny 
actually a real old pain in my old wrinkly bum. (laughs) (laughs) And that the only funny women out there are either not attractive or lesbians, because lesbians also need to tell jokes to attract women. Because, Because as women, the aesthetics are not a part of it. No, it's... we're only attracted to jokes. It's like pheromones. Yeah. And only attracted to jokes made by shitty men with bad takes. <laughs> Clearly. Sorry for bringing comedy industry discourse back into this podcast so soon after I went off in the B-movie episode. Listen, but... I would like for a moment to go off on um, nerd culture discourse. Please. Because I think the Ghostbusters 2016 trailer really hit the intersection of comedy discourse and nerd discourse. Because this our really... Our powers collide. Our powers collide. Sailor Moon, kind of. That's how it works. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> they put their hands in, they turn into Sailor Moons. <laughs> I never watched Sailor Moon, but they... I'm not wrong. You're, you're not... They put their hands in a circle, they turn into Sailor Moons. <laughs> you're not fully incorrect. <laughs> okay. I'll let you We don't this. have time to unpack all of that. Um, In a similar way to the certain type of of man who sees a woman being funny and gets very stressed. There's a certain type of man who sees women enjoying things and gets very stressed. (laughs) Especially if that thing is a thing that they think is a dude thing. Which is, you know, admittedly a bit silly. Often that thing is something like Star Trek, um, which, you know, in the 60s was cancelled and was brought back by petitions from largely female fan population. In the 60s... Well, the stars are for men. Stars the moon are is for women. Stars are only for men. And when Mary Shelley invented in the Western literary tradition science fiction as a genre, she was inventing it for men. Yeah. Um, but, men only. She wrote it, in, and in the postscript to Frankenstein, wrote, "Actually, after this, only men can write this genre." I'm <laughs> retiring. At the beginning of Frankenstein, she writes, this one is for the boys. <laughs> so, yeah, so stars are for men, the moon is for women. Yep. And non-binary people get the void. And Non-binary people get everything else in the universe, so that's quite cool. And as Melissa McCarthy says in Lady Ghostbusters, ain't no bitches gonna hunt no ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think this really hit sort of the, like, nerd nerd boy incel nerve of women enjoying something that they've always enjoyed but doing it like publicly like ghosts you know (laughs) because the gothic literary tradition was predominantly considered a women's genre until more recent years when men decided that they now liked it so it had never been for women actually it was always for men and Anne Radcliffe's not a real person she didn't exist (laughs) writing stuff in the 1800s and the 1700s, really formalizing gothic and ghost <laughs> literature. She's not real. No. The Brontes don't exist. <laughs> I'm fine. So, 2016, <laughs> you, the, with the nerd stuff, I'm asking you, because you're a nerd and I'm a, I'm, a, um, I'm mm. a jock, so I don't know these things. Yeah. But this is the time that Gamergate was happening, right? It was sort of still circulating. I think I would call it approximately the correct time, yeah. Lots of women into nerd things were getting a lot of shit online. Unlike other times when it's just fine for women online totally and there's no problems ever. And a lot of women in comedy, as you said, were getting 
a lot of shit. Yeah, I just Googled it, and the thing that, that Hitchens wrote was actually in 2007. But <laughs> but I do remember it bubbling up again in mm. the... Because I remember it bubbling up around the time I got into comedy, which was like 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. And like being hit with a fresh load of news articles like, Women are funny. Mm-hmm. They it, only talk about virginies. I think it, it comes <laughs> in cycles, and it's the same thing with people getting mad at, at women and nerd properties. And... I, I think it's incumbent upon us to mention that this is a problem that affects women, but I think particularly affects women of color. Yes. In a way that is worse than it affects white women. Mm-hmm. And that was very clear in the backlash to this movie. I think Leslie Jones got it worst of all. Yeah. Uh, out of all four of the main cast, none of whom had a good time with no. the promotion for this movie, but it's very clear who got it the worst. Yeah. yeah. And you see the same thing in um, Star Wars. Yeah. Which members of the Star Wars cast got Because that lady who time. got bullied off Twitter, wasn't there? Kelly Marie Tran got bullied off Twitter. John Boyega, in general, has had a terrible time with Star oh. Wars and has been very vocal about that. Overall, it, it's it's a bad time and it doesn't... It, it's not only a gender dimension, there's also a racism dimension to it. Yeah, 100%. And it's... And- but Lady Busters is so good. And it, I don't think I'm biased. I don't think I am either. I remember liking it when it first came out. And then the... I think a lot of people have fallen prey to the backlash saying like, well, you know, the Lady Busters is fine, but it shouldn't supplant a classic, etc. Rewatch 1984's Ghostbusters and then come back to Lady Busters and think, actually, maybe it should supplant the classic. Remember what we just said about the classic. Lady Busters, it opens less than th- 30 seconds in, less than 30 seconds in, we get a joke. An actual joke that makes you laugh with your mouth. Yeah. And less than two minutes in, we get a ghost. A real ghost. <laughs> and that's after five jokes have been made, at least five. Yep. It's it's funny, there's ghosts, it's dynamic, there's music, there's spooky music that leads into the Ghostbusters theme. There's yeah. a very similar opening setup where one of the characters is getting kicked out of a university for being involved with the paranormal, but she has emotions about it. We can remember the characters' names. Yep. Just to test myself right now. Chris and Wig. Aaron. Yep. A ghost pro... No, she's not a ghost professor. She's a physics professor who, with a history in ghosts. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy as Abby. Yeah. Who is Aaron's ex-co-worker on ghosts who works at a less famous university in a ghost lab, which is sick as hell. Yeah. We've got Holtzman, Kate McKinnon, mm-hmm. who's like a lab tech. Yeah. And very cool and super duper into like... She's just excited about the tech. Yeah. And then Patty, that's Leslie Jones, who works worked in the subway but joins the Ghostbusters and is very knowledgeable about the geography of New York. And the history, yeah. Yeah, that's all of them. That's, that's all them. the Ghostbusters. They have individual skills and personalities. They've got relationships to each other. They've got ambitions and thoughts. 
I know all their motivations for hunting ghosts. Yes. I know what they want in life. I know the differences between the characters. I know that Erin is really ambitious and gets very anxious when her fancy academic colleagues know about her ghost past. Mm -hmm. And I know that Abby doesn't care about that, and that causes friction between them. Yes. And it makes me care about their relationship. Yes. You know... (laughs) None of them commit sexual harassment. Not even one of them. Uh, at, what, at one point, Erin, like, crosses the line in objectifying Chris Hemsworth, the sexy secretary. Yeah. And then the other characters immediately are like, Erin, that's not cool. Erin, you can't do this. That's not allowed. Because you're not allowed to be a sexual harasser and be a ghostbuster. And then she stops making comments. And, and that could have happened with Bill Murray's character. It could have. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth plays Kevin, the secretary. He's very funny. In <laughs> yeah, this. he's great in he's this. Like very his, good. I like Chris Hemsworth because, like, I feel like in a lot of movies, his physical, like, physical comedy mm-hmm. doesn't get used so much. It doesn't the Thor films, but mm-hmm. he's like physically. His timing is amazing. Yeah. Some people are really, like, physically great at comedy. Yeah. Kristen Wiig being one of them. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey, he's good at this too. Yeah. Weirdly, the guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The guy from Breaking Bad. In Malcolm in the Middle mm, is the dad. Yeah. Like, just the best, co- like, physical Brian timing. Cranston. That's the one. Yeah. And Chris, Hem- Chris Hemsworth is, is up there with the greats, I think, and it's time as a society that we acknowledge this. He is. He's very funny. He plays off all the main cast really well. Yeah, and he sort of transitions halfway through the movie from just kind of a side character to uh, the... The villain dies sort of halfway through and then possesses Chris Hemsworth as a ghost. So then Chris Hemsworth plays the villain for yeah. for sort of the climax of the film. And is great yeah. at both roles. He's he's very, very funny. I think it's incumbent upon us to mention that the villain of this movie is an incel. <laughs> um, and that just feels poetic. Yeah. In contrast to the original movie... The villain of this movie is a person that we see and know and understand the motivations of, whereas Zool in the original movie is just kind of like a vague supernatural force who wants to do vague supernatural things like destroy the world. Yeah, just like a personalityless, powerful deity. Yeah, whereas the villain, whose name I do not know, in in Lady Ghostbusters... Mark. Mark. He wants to unleash ghosts to punish people who have been mean to him. Yeah. Even though he's generally been a creep to everyone. So you can see why he wants ghosts afoot. Yeah, and I like the design of his scary secret lab. It's in, like, the basement of a hotel that's meant to be at, like, the intersection of some ley lines. And he's got all these mirrors in it that go to the other side, and you can see the ghost's hands pressing against the mirrors in every scene down there, and it looks really cool. Tell you what else looks really cool. All of the ghosts. They're, like, glowing in, like, cool neon colors. When they're all, like roving around New York City at the end. Mm-hmm. God, it looks cool. Yeah, the the climax of this movie is excellent. Yeah. Just the, the aesthetics of it, the music, the way it plays out. I love the big parade float ghosts. They have a shout out to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from the first movie. Kate McKinnon licks a gun. And I just think that's cool. It's the best
best part of the movie. <laughs> the best part of an already very good movie. It's really just super engaging and visually beautiful. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's funny. Chris Hemsworth as the villain gets the group of of like riot police who are there to catch him to like do a disco dance. Yeah. That's very fun. Love that. Um, That's very funny. Yeah, there's, like, actual emotional impact between the main four characters. And they have, like, loads of remixes of the Ghostbusters theme. Yeah. And each one of them makes sense in the moment, and they're quite fun. Yeah. And there's other music (laughs) in the soundtrack. Things build up, and there's music in the background. And you don't just hear shuffling. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I think the only two things I can think about that, like, not in favour of this movie. Mm-hmm. One, also a fault of the first movie. So Leslie Jones, the only black Ghostbuster, is also the only non-academic of the group. Yeah. She works in the subway. And that's, like, not a bad thing, but, like, it's just, you know... Yeah, it's that she's the only non-scientist exactly. of the entire main Which cast. is the same in the, um, in Man Busters. Yeah, and yeah. the, yeah, the three scientist characters are all white. And then the guy who joins later is a black guy. Yeah. Uh, so you'd think they would have mixed that up a bit. Otherwise, I guess you could say that it's not, like, the most original setup, given mm-hmm. that the plot structure is very similar to the first one. Mm-hmm. However... As you've said, it replaces Manbusters. <laughs> I think yeah. it, like it fully does. Like it, <laughs> I also think they do a much better job of setting up the concept of Ghostbusters. Like Manbusters, they're just like they get fired from the university. They have no problems. They rent the fire hall that the the, the classic Ghostbusters hide away with no problems, and mm-hmm. have all of this tech that we never see them set up or invent to do these impossible things no one's ever done before. Yeah, and they immediately become famous and successful. Whereas in Ladybusters, they steal a bunch of equipment from one of the labs. They have to, we see a lots of. Instead of montages of them being suddenly successful, like Manbusters, in Ladybusters we see montages of them learning how to capture ghosts, how to make the technology. Yeah, like testing out the weapons in an alleyway. Yeah, trying to use them on ghosts and them not working. Everyone's or... got like a different weapon too. They don't all just have like the zappy things. Yeah. Someone's got grenades, someone's got pistols. Mm-hmm. Someone's got, Leslie Jones is like a shredder. Yeah. That she sucks ghosts into. That's cool. Um, yeah, it feels a little bit more scrappy, like they're inventing a profession. Mm -hmm. So you get to see the concept of Ghostbusters being built. I actually really like the the bit in Ladybusters where they go to... They're they're trying to find a, a premises to house the Ghostbusters, and they get shown the original Ghostbusters fire hall, and they can't afford it because they've all just been fired except <laughs> Leslie Jones, who I think then quits her job at the MTA. So then they have to rent like an apartment above a restaurant. Yeah, and it just feel and at the end of the movie they have enough money and clout to rent the fire hall. Yeah, like it feels more like they earn it. And also, that reminds me, it's not like the people who made the first The Man Busters movie are anti-Lady Busters, because all of the surviving Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. cameo in this movie. Yeah, Bill Murray plays a skeptic who's trying to debunk the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, who was in the first one, and I think wrote it or produced the first one, also produced this... 
lady busters too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a completely new team going in just like shitting on everything. Like no, it's, it's a, a loving continuation of the universe. Ernie Hudson plays Leslie Jones's uncle. Yeah. Who rents the hearse that they turn into the Ghostbusters car. Um, Harold Ramis, who was in the original, uh, is dead. So the movie was dedicated to him. He wasn't mm-hmm. in it. But Sigourney Weaver was in it. Annie Potts, who played the secretary in the original, was yeah. also had a cameo as like the she was the clerk of the hotel, I think. Yeah. And Rick Moranis wasn't in it, but he's retired. Basically, all of the surviving main cast yeah. gave their stamp of approval to this. So I don't know what people's problem... I know what people's problem yeah. was, but like... Misogyny. It's... Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, we know what the problem was, but... Shannon. Yeah. I think I know the answer to this question. Do you like ghosts? I love ghosts. Do you just love ghosts? I love ghosts so much. Do you think Man Busters is cursed, blessed, or blessed? It's cursed. It's fully cursed. <laughs> I wanted to give it a blurst because it came up with the concept, but frankly, I feel like in 1984 they could have done better. Oh yeah, no we, excuse. The 80s was a fun time. Watched a lot of movies from around this time. We checked that like this is around the vicinity of Beetlejuice. It's around the vicinity of the original Star Wars. Like I just. I don't think that this gets a product of its time pass, which very few things actually do. Yeah. I don't think that's a valid excuse anyway, but I've watched so many movies from this era that hold up a lot better. So I'm going to give this a cursed. And Lady Buster's cursed, blessed, or blessed? I'm going to give it a blessed. Ooh, I think think this zag has not happened since we've done Jumanji. No, we did this for the chilling adventures of Sabrina and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Ah. We gave that a yeah. cursed and a blast. At least do you think Manbusters is cursed, blurst, or blast? I- I'm with you 100% on this. It's cursed. And I, again, I really wanted to have a good time with this. I thought enough people I know like it. Well, so I thought. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people I know who say they like this movie are like generally nostalgic for the 80s, even though a lot of them were born in the 90s, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, the 80s. You know? My, when I asked my parents about this, who were like alive and kicking young young adults in the 80s, uh, they're alive and kicking young adults today. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, I asked them what they thought of Manbusters and they thought it was always shit. Yeah, my parents said that the first movie was fine, it had a good concept, but all in all, they didn't really think it was anything special. Yeah. And again, this would would have come out during the period when they were the target audience. Yeah. So, and like the people being shitty on the internet about Ghostbusters are not necessarily the same people who would have actually seen Ghostbusters when it first came out. Yeah. Like they're people who were kids in the 90s and saw it as a child, forgot everything that happened in the movie and remembered Ghostbusters cool good song. And can I just say, people did not get this way with Jurassic World. No, they didn't. And they didn't get this way with Jumanji. Hmm. Hmm. What's the difference? (laughs) What could it be? They they got the same way with Doctor Who, though. And they got this way with Star Wars. Yeah. I I, I often think... And by the way, I think Lady Busters is blessed, too. Mm Mm-hmm. It's... It's... And... 
it's just funny. Like, I laughed so many times, and I think comedy movies are hard to make. Yeah. And this, this holds up. And also, I feel like a lot of the jokes aren't particularly liable to be dated. They're not like, oh, this is a 2016 joke. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're just good character-driven jokes. Yeah. But I, I sometimes think, with angry nerd culture, like, what would people think if the internet didn't exist? If one loud, angry incel hadn't started off with, like, I'm angry with this because blah, 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 or done, like, a video essay on it. Mm-hmm. Like, would other people have the same opinion? Like, I, not to cause discourse, I'm only going to mention it once. You know what I'm going to talk I about? I know what you're going to talk about. I don't about. think the end of Game of Thrones was that bad. Was it sloppy and rushed? Yes. Was a particular character always a war criminal? Yes. You idiots. Why did you not see that coming? And I feel as so when that was happening and people were getting really angry and sending like really nasty petitions to like people who've been working like behind the scenes on the show or suggesting horrible, nasty, sexually violent things to particular female members of the cast. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, would they have gotten this angry if in a vacuum they watched Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. Or had they only gone angry because other people have just made it a dog pile? Yeah. I feel like this happened with Lady Busters. I think it did because I think the like, like to dislike ratio on the trailer is really telling that it was just like a bunch of internet pile on. Like, it's not a bad trailer. There's nothing about the trailer that would make you think this movie is going to be shitty. Yeah, it's not like the Cats trailer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like, there's there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the trailer, and you don't have a clear sense. The trailer doesn't even tell you that the villain of the movie is an incel. No. Like, it, it's not clear until you actually watch the movie, so I don't know what people were so pissed off about initially other than remake of Ghostbusters but with women. Yeah. Like, I think that's... It is just, like, an internet pile-on. There's no actual reason for it. There's no Mm. bad quality stuff in the trailer. And it's pretty short, too. Yeah. Like, all it has enough time to tell you is we're making a new Ghostbusters, this is the cast. Yeah. And it acknowledges in the beginning of the trailer the existence of the old Ghostbusters, too. They're not like, forget that. Yeah, Here's your new it team. starts They're with, all women. like, 30 years ago, four people saved New York. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the movie tried to pay homage to its roots while also being effortlessly better in a way that's almost embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's depressing. Watching these two movies was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. First off, I started full of hope. I was I thought from all the hype that people have been giving Manbusters that it was actually going to be a bop. Yeah, it was super boring. I tried so hard to like it. And we've liked movies from this era before. I mean, I still love the original trilogy of Star Wars, and those came out before Ghostbusters. I feel like some of the Indiana Joneses were happening at this time and were fun. Uh, they probably were, yeah. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how, how good... I don't know if Indiana Jones holds up. I yeah. haven't seen them since I was about six. I sort of don't want to rewatch them because I feel like they don't hold up. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> at least they're more fun than Ghostbusters. Yeah, it was so depressingly boring and none of the male cast emoted at all, really. Like, I couldn't get behind them because I didn't know what they wanted. I didn't know what motivated them. Yeah. I didn't know what they were excited about. Yeah. 
the visuals of the movie were fine. It wasn't like a dated effects problem. It was fine for the eighties, and I feel like we can't comment on that. Yeah, it was. It was fine for the eighties, and nothing was like particularly uncanny valley to look at. Like it was all fine. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly just think it's a movie with a good concept and poor execution, and. Lady Busters took the very good concept and executed it well. Yes. And I think people are shitty about it because it's better. Yeah, and I think it's a shame because now it's kind of marred by all the discourse. I mean, imagine a world where we did this podcast and it was shorter by 20 minutes because we weren't talking about all the internet backlash. We were like, hey, we watched both and one of them's kind of better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, part of the the world of this show now, that there was all this sexist and racist nonsense happening. Whenever this sort of, like, nerd event happens on the internet, this makes all social media platforms just a really bad place. And I think if this backlash hadn't happened, we might get a sequel to this movie. Because there's a sequel set up in, like, right before the credits. Yeah, someone mentioned Zool! Yeah, they were like, Leslie Jones was, like, listening to a, a recording... And she hears the name Zool, and then it, like, cuts to black. I was like, this would be such a good setup for a sequel to a very good movie. Like, it was a very funny movie, sincerely made, and made well. Yeah. I kind of wonder what Dan Aykroyd's response, like, personally, Mm. like, to this project was. Being a creator on both of the movies. Yeah, because he was a writer of the first one and a producer of the second one. Yeah. So one, like, producer's a little more hands-off than writer. Mm-hmm. But he was still in a creative team in a big way. Yeah. So, like, that must have been weird for him. And also all the guys who were in the first one who cameoed. Yeah, who were, like, presumably excited to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And Bill Murray... Well, his character was not good in the first one, but, but Bill Murray is not an idiot. Mm. Like, he's he's been in a lot of good stuff, and he's a, a very smart comedian. So he knows deep down in his soul, he must, that the second one has better jokes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was also thinking while we were watching this? Is that this level of backlash didn't happen to the reboot of Star Trek. And the reboot of Star Trek did get some rumblings of, we don't like this. And there's things to dislike about new Star Trek. The the new movies. Spock's ears aren't pointy enough, goddammit. pointy enough. I want him to look like Dobby from Harry Potter. <laughs> but I, I, none of the actors got this level of, like, personal vitriol leveled at no. them. Like, there was general rumblings of stop rebooting stuff. I like the original series. I don't like all the lens flare in the J.J. Abrams movie. But that feels slightly more like just random and and kind of basic fandom rumbling yeah. for and it's like, a mostly male cast. It's a mostly male cast. Like, I don't... Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Chris Pine got the same amount of shit leveled at him as, like, Kristen Wiig did or Leslie Jones, you know? People aren't getting really upset whenever Spider-Man gets rebooted. Yeah, people will sort of be like, oh, we don't need another Spider-Man, but no one's like, you know, burn in hell. Like, that that hasn't happened. <laughs> no one's sending, like, death threats to Tom Holland. Yeah. Yeah, and people would get really lofty when you talk to them about Ghostbusters. They'd be like, well, I just don't like reboots. 
Therefore, I, you know, threaten Melissa McCarthy on Twitter. Like, oh, sure, it's really reboots you're mad about. Yeah, and again, like, get that mad about Jurassic World. Yeah, Jurassic World, Mad Max, Star Wars, Star... Well, people did get mad about Star Wars. They got Um, mad at Mad Max. Did they really? It's the same writer as the original Mad Maxes. Yeah, I did see some hate on the internet because I've never watched Mad Max, but there's a lot of women in it. Oh, we should re- we should do Mad Max for this podcast. I love Lego races, and I love the desert as a concept. So I think I'd like Mad Max. People, I I did forget that people did get mad about the new Mad Max because it is a bit sneaky. Or you go into it and it's like, actually, this is a post-apocalyptic feminist movie. And it was amazing. I would see it three times in theaters. But that was more like when people went to see it. It yeah. wasn't like the trailer comes out and everyone's like, boo! Yeah, people Boobies. went... People went to see it and then got mad, which I think is great. Mad Max Fury Road has rights. I love that movie. But yeah, people can get like this about Star Trek or Jumanji or whatever. That was just, that's just general rumblings about anytime anyone reboots anything, people get a little bit pissy about it. Yeah, but but the ones that people get very angry at, it's obvious as to why. It's, it's very clear. It's very clear why Star Wars and Ghostbusters got the most shit out of being rebooted. And it also, I think, makes it difficult to comment on the actual problems if there are problems with the reboot. Yeah. Like with Doctor Who... I think Jodie Whittaker's a great doctor. She's a really good actress, and I support that. The issues with the new season are not with her. They're with the fact that the writing's a bit wet. And I think this is very similar with the reboot of Star Wars, is that it's hard to untangle the people who are just mad that there's women and people of color in main roles in Star Wars from the fact that like there's major writing problems in the new movies that... Mm-hmm you know, leave the, especially the the people of color in the cast, it it does nothing for their characters and leaves them with no storyline, and especially the last two movies. Yeah. You know, that's very real criticism that can get obfuscated by people just being mad that they're even in it in the first place. (sighs) I'd like to think that we're in a slightly better place now than we were in 2016, but I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. I do think these things come in waves. Yeah. Do you reckon people are going to start hating on Castle Blast now? Because we've uh, officially slapped our glove at incels. Is that what people did in the past? I, I slap my glove at you. You throw down the glove. I throw down my glove at you incels. Come at me. Please don't, actually. <laughs> we'll smell you coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... This is all, I gotta get used to the hate it's gonna come at me when I eventually do my reboot of Batman. Yeah, when you're like a rich and famous author and people are like, ooh, these inclusive and diverse books. Yeah. Are ruining my childhood somehow. They're somehow ruining my childhood because I rewrote Batman. You should hire me as a bodyguard for when that happens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I might be having my own set of problems for when I'm, like, big-time comedian. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to be doing more science in the future, but... Or you're doing science and you're you're just, you're just solving climate change and the incels are like, stop solving climate change. That's men's work. <laughs> Maybe so, Wally? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right. want to watch Wally for Castle Blast. <laughs> <laughs> Castle Blast, I guess now... 
Right, here's the thing. While we're physically at the end of spooky month... Yeah. We've had just some recording delays. So we, we have watched some spooky movies. Yeah. So we're not done, because we also have... A uh, Little Shop of Horrors... That's the one. And Just for context, listeners, I forgot what that movie was called. So I'd made a little Venus flytrap with my hands. <laughs> and I was just like a clown, just like slapping them open and close and, and just yeah. staring at Shannon, little hoping shop- she'd help me out. Little Shop of Horrors also is Rick Moranis and Bill Murray. <laughs> and Hocus Pocus. Yes. So if you don't mind, we may have to extend Spook Month. We'll extend Spook Month and then bleed it right into Jolly Holidays. Oh, the Netflix Christmas movies I'll make you watch. (sighs) You had it coming. You had it coming. You only had yourself to blame. You made me watch Halloween movies. (laughs) I only like some of them. (laughs) And now I'm gonna do the same. That's from Chicago Musical. That's not a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie. But it is an excellent musical. <laughs> I don't like all the women in Chicago. I wish it was set in man prison. They only, they have too many women in it, it's ruining my childhood. You know that song with all those women saying they had it coming? It just, it just was like, you know, white noise in my head because of all the ladies. The cell block tango? That's the one. Yeah. It ruined it. It did. It ruined this movie about women's prison. (laughs) (laughs) All the women. Uh, But um, if you enjoyed this, if you got through this episode and didn't get upset, congratulations, you're not an incel. (laughs) And you deserve to listen to our other episodes. You can find us on Cursed or Blessed com or on any of your favorite podcasting services. Most of them. We're not on SoundCloud, but we're on the rest. You know. You know. You know them. You found us somehow. We're on Instagram. We make memes from time to time. Yeah. Undoubtedly about this one. Follow us on Instagram. Tell us what ghost you would bust. And why. And why is it Celery Susan? (laughs) 